Hey gang, it's John. We have a very special bonus episode for you today. We are talking to former Grand Funk Railroad frontman Mark Farner. Now, Mark has a new DVD coming out on April 6th called From Chili with Love. And it's pretty awesome. It's going to be, he's going to be playing obviously a bunch of Grand Funk hits, solo hits. There's some new songs on there. The DVD package is pretty elaborate. It's really good stuff. So I have always found Mark to be a really interesting character. First of all, he speaks his mind. And some things I agree with him on and some things I don't. But that's okay. And we've already told the Grand Funk story on here a couple of years ago when we had Don Brewer on. So we don't get as into Grand Funk as we did before since that story has already sort of been told. We do touch on Todd Rundgren, Frank Zappa, some of their songs, how they came to be. But really this is more focused on Mark and who he is. We recorded this episode back in January and the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol had happened just a couple of weeks prior. And so there was still, there still is now, but there was especially then a real fever around that. And uh, so we talk about that. We talk about how his, so many of his songs speak to the, what is happening today in some form or another, because he's always held that sort of patriotism on his chest very proudly, understandably. We talk about his fitness regimen. We talk about his born again Christianity. We talk about all kinds of things. So you really get to know Mark Farner in here, uh, just not necessarily as it relates to Grand Funk. We get to know Mark the man, okay? So anyway, I thought that would be a really interesting conversation to have. We provide in this podcast a platform for people to be their truest selves, and I was glad that Mark did that. He's a really good man. So he called me from his home in Petoskey, Michigan. And I realize now that the sweater I'm wearing makes me look like an Eskimo or something like that. It was just a chilly day in Denver today, so I wore a sweater, but I look yeah, kind of silly. Denver, eh? Yeah, I'm in Denver. Yeah. Well, I got my I got my insulated pad uh, <laughs> over my regular pad because <laughs> today uh, 14 degrees is just a little bit on the chilly side. A little chilly. Yep. Yeah. Are you back in Detroit or Flint? Where do you live? I live in northern Michigan. It's a town called Petoskey. Sure. Yeah. I didn't know you lived there. So yeah. I I grew up Mormon, and you know Mormons go on those missions. You've seen the Mormon missionaries out there. And I went on my Mormon mission to Michigan. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. I spent a little bit of time in Oscoda and, Gra and uh, uh, Gra uh, Grand Rapids. Big Rapids, Muskegon, Kalamazoo, East Lansing. I've wow. been to Traverse City, but I haven't been to Petoskey. But I know that I know the name because that was part of my mission. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. Well, you've been around this state a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's fun. Um, okay, so here we. Okay, so first and foremost, I feel like we should talk about the new DVD. I mean, that's kind of the driving force for these conversations. The thing I was most interested in though, is do you, are you especially big in Chile? Because I was looking at YouTube and there's a whole concert film, not professionally. It's from a list from a fan at a theater there in Chile. And I thought, is that like a big hub for Mark these days? Yeah. Chile is definitely a big hub. 
uh, the first time I went there and I, I was on the air with their radio talent there, uh, and we just talked candidly and everything that I would say he would repeat, you know, in Spanish. Uh -huh. uh, but the people, you know, to, to the folks that are there, I am who my songs say I am. Mm -hmm. And being that I did write 92% of the Grand Funk catalog, I can lay claim to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the love that came out, this is what the, the Chilean fans, they, they cling to the love and the hope that is in that music because mm -hmm. it speaks of good times and it speaks of true times and it speaks of concerns. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's still around, man. 50 some years, Lord have mercy, who would have ever known? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, the concert I was looking at is at the Teatro Calpolicán, Chile, 2019. And I wondered if that was, did you put out, did you do multiple shows in Chile? Is that the one that's going to be put in the nice professional DVD? That one is not. That's the, the one that's in the DVD is from a couple of years ago. No, but okay. it was before this one that I think that you're talking about, because uh -huh. I saw bits and pieces of that one, Teatro Calpalican. There you go. Uh, from a cell phone. From a cell phone. That's right, uh, it is. And and it is what it is. But the one that is for sale is in pre-sales now mm -hmm. for $14.99. <laughs> it's an eight-camera shoot. Yeah. Let me just say, uh, Brother John, that Lisa and I, my wife and I, are taking $3 from every DVD sale. And we support an organization called Veterans Support Foundation. Nice. And they, they take vets, buy vets for vets. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've known these guys since Guitar Army. Uh, back in 1968 in Detroit at Harpo's, man, you know, with uh, Dick Wagner and Randy California. These are the same guys that ran a Vietnam Veterans for America. And, and uh, I did a little ceremony for them at the 25th anniversary of the wall in D.C. And we did them a whole show. As a matter of fact, they all they wanted was for me to come and sing the song because it was the most uh, uh popular song among the Vietnam veterans but these people that are for vets these people man i mean it is so needed in our country yeah because there's a lot of homeless vets and you see them you know little congregations of them and that, but there's help for them and it is from guys that really have a true heart for them dude and mm -hmm. and they put them to work they give them that esteem. They give them the opportunity to get back in and right. function in society. If you wouldn't mind, I'd love to give an 800 number. Please. Yes, please. Veterans Support Foundation. If you know of a veteran that needs help, it's 1-800-882-1316. That's 800-882-1316. Thirteen sixteen, or on the web at vsf-usa.org. Excellent. 
and we'll put the link to the to the charity in the description of the show so that your listeners and my listeners and whoever gets this has easy access to go there. Why do you think it is that our country can't get it together when it comes to veterans? Because it's the media that people watch that ever since 1996, the deregulation, it left the hands, it left the moral conscience, Brother John, Mm -hmm. of Americans. Mm -hmm. And that's when it all started to turn to horsey Mm -hmm. (laughs) poo-poo. And the radio has. It, it became this corporate conglomerate thing and people are disenfranchised. What happened? This has been a, a severe browbeating that we've been mm-hmm. taking. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's put us so far away from who we really are that they've been able to split us up into this pr- party and that party. Two, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. it's, it's that, uh, that sickness that, that has that ambition. Mm. It has nowhere in my heart. Mm-hmm. I, it, I feel ill from it. And the way we had our communication with song and the minstrels bringing their experience of the road to the record and mm-hmm. being part of a DJ's, you know, daily, he's in there telling us what's going on around us, you know, and we're all, you know, connected, we're a community, but now that community is so disenfranchised, brother. Yeah. I can't even tell you. It's so true. And, you know, it's interesting in getting ready to talk to you, Mark, I've been going back and listening to so much of your music and it's almost prophetic. Some of the things that you've sung about in your career that seem to be going on today. In fact, I was listening to Social Disaster off of your first album. And I just want to quote you some of the lines that you talk about in here. Threats on freedom. Come a day when freedom is on trial. Vigilantes born again. Take it over from the inside. And I'm thinking about things like the attack on the Capitol a couple of weeks ago. And you, it's almost like you knew, you know, 45 years ago or something that trouble was afoot. And I don't want to get into a deep political conversation or anything, but I, I do these topics have always mattered to you and you've always felt comfortable singing about them and talking about them, giving money to charities that support your views. 
And here we are at a time in history that is proving that a lot of your concerns and your thoughts are very top of mind for a lot of people right now. I appreciate uh, appreciate that encouragement, brother, because yes. that's the way I'm taking it. Yes. What is really uh, at the heart of this is what I mentioned. You know, before the deregulation, you could own, it was the 777 rule. You could own 7 a.m., 7 FM, and 7 television stations. And, dude, we would go over to these people's house after we've done a show, you know, with James Brown and Otis Redding and all the people, you know, that we just mm-hmm. got out of this TV studio with. We go to Herman Spiro's house over in Cleveland. We're playing touch football with his kids in the backyard. We're having a barbecue. You know, it's that part is really necessary uh, for the freedom of speech and to ensure it. And those who, who deregulated, they began that razor across the throat Mm -hmm. with that because it's just, it can't be good. Mm -hmm. It it Mm -hmm. needs to be reinstated for one particular reason. Mm -hmm. Our kids need moral conscience to govern what they are seeing and hearing. So true. That is it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's gone since 96, they gave it away Mm -hmm. and you know, the rest of the story for the, for a dollar, like they always do. Yep. Yep. But Um, people don't realize it, brother John. And unless you actually have a conversation, like, thank mm -hmm. you for having this. So that will straighten some people out. I'll get I it. hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, speaking of other songs of yours that are, I think are so prophetic. I was listening to your last album uh, for the people, which is so great. And uh, where do we go from here? The last song on that album is another, uh, another one of these tunes. that seems to be sort of speaking to the times of today. And I, I was thinking, I wonder if Mark were to write new music or put out a new album today, would he be optimistic about our the chances of things improving, or would he be angry? Would he feel like we're all doomed? Where does Mark Farner, what are his thoughts about where we are today? It would be optimistic, brother. Good. Because 
we are only information away from this waking up that we need to have. If we can overcome the ego's inability to, to uh, you know, reckon sometimes, and it gets in the way, but if we can put that ego aside and listen to our hearts, you know, uh, I tell people because I know what happened and, and to bring it to an audience in a way that I can't, you know, you and I can sit here and talk about it and talk numbers, but we, I don't have that kind of time with an audience. So I just shorten everything up, but people are getting it. They need it. I'm telling you, people need it to know that we're still real. Hey, we're real here. You know, they can you know, generate with a computer, all this stuff to make, I mean, for monsters or whatever they're, they're trying to, they can really present it or even, uh, takeovers and <laughs> they can really present it you know because they own it that's the problem we need to re-regulate mm -hmm. reinstate the protection for the sake of the people mm -hmm. and that's what it was there for in the first place mm -hmm. and it was total ass wipes that removed it <laughs> uh yeah i think you're i think you might be onto something there mark <laughs> okay, going back to the DVD, and yeah, I, I should clarify, I um, in no way is someone's cell phone footage on YouTube going to compare to the professional, excellent DVD that's on its way. One thing I was curious about shows like this, when you plan out, and Grand Funk and you solo have put out several great live albums over the years, I'm always wondering what the logistics are. Do you plan ahead? Like, you look at your schedule and you say, okay... I know we have a good crowd in Chile. Let's all plan on making that our live DVD. Or do you film like three or four shows and pick your favorite one? Do you rehearse for the live DVD? What goes into it logistically? Well, for this particular DVD, Brother John, it was brought to my attention by my manager, Avi Steinman. And he said, hey, there is a film uh, company in Santiago, uh, this abysmo films and Carlos is uh, the, the head dude. He has really got a vision and he wants to shoot and, and he'll cut us a deal. And I, and I said, you know something that's great because those people, they will do it right. Mm -hmm. They will do it right. And they will capture what we need captured in that DVD. Mm -hmm. and, and they certainly did. And I never, I mean, this is, I've shot a lot of DVDs. And inevitably, I will run over the top of a cameraman. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just happens. And <laughs> backing into him or something. I never, I never even saw a cameraman on this shoot. It was awesome nice. as far as yeah, they're very professional. And there's 18 performance tracks mm. and two bonus videos. Uh, one of the bonus videos, Rock and Roll Soul, uh, was put together by Carlos, who shot this, mm -hmm. this the whole thing. And I watched that. It's great. And it's very American, USA, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. but that shot in Chile. Really? Yeah, dude. Okay. Now, the, the <laughs> video I saw was interspersed with some clips of an old man in his garage, kind of coming to terms with his own mortality and looking back on life, feeling nostalgic for good rock and roll. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So, yeah. so good.
I thought they did a, a fantastic me job. Me too. Me too. There's another a video, bonus video on the DVD, as well as five new audio Ooh. tracks. Yeah. New, new music. That I, I hope people give it a listen and uh, Good. let it speak to them. It's, yeah. it's music, you know. It's, it's yeah. supposed to make us happy. It's supposed to make us, you know, real. With yes. Them. Well, there aren't too many artists out there as real as you. It's it's interesting that you use that word. I think that's the perfect word to describe Mark Farner, your personality, your attitude, and your approach to rock and roll. It is real. It is genuine. You know what I mean? It's the genuine article straight from the heart. Brother, yes. I appreciate that encouragement. You know yes. how much I appreciate that. Absolutely. It's so very- I got, I'm curious with the pandemic obviously kind of grounding live, playing live right now, you've been at this for over 50 years. What do you miss the most now about not being out on tour? And what do you not miss at all? Well, I'll tell you what I miss the most. Mm -hmm. After doing several, like, uh, rock and roll fantasy camp on a Zoom video, you know, like Mm -hmm. this format that we're on right now, brother. Mm -hmm. And I've done uh, Ted Nugent's podcast. I've done a lot of video things. One with Kip Winger. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, me too. Yeah. But this is this is what I miss the most: the applause. Mm. The applause. Dude. It's like you get done playing, and you're sitting in this room, and you're looking around. You know, <laughs> so quiet. <laughs> yeah. Where is that? Where is that rush to play the next song? It's, yeah. you know, it's like the audience is so much a part of my show. Mm-hmm. And I realized that more than ever, uh, missing, you know, as I do, yeah. live performances. Yeah. And my relationship through love, man, love travels between myself and my fans. And when we lift up love together, you know, because that's what we want to do. It's our heart. Yeah. yeah. Keep, it, keep it alive. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what do you not miss at all? I don't miss going into foreign countries and the stuff begins and you have to bite your words. <laughs> just kind of follow along. Sometimes it'll take two or three hours. And then other times. You know, mm-hmm. uh, going down to Caracas, uh, Venezuela, we get out. It's like our luggage didn't even see 
the customs, it just got loaded in this stuff, and away we went. And I went, yeah. Now that's the way to come into a country. <laughs> oh man, I can just imagine all the travel, all the times you've had to sit in an airport and delayed flights and sitting in customs and something not arriving where you needed it to be. You've probably dealt with that more than most people on the planet. You realize that? <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, even times, John, when we've had to go by stage clothes, oh. <laughs> yeah. they're in the suit. Where the hell is a suitcase? <laughs> Russia someplace. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's easy for you because you rarely even wear a shirt. You just need a pair of, you know, worn out jeans and you're good. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of which, I mean, you're what, 72-ish now? Yes, I'll be uh, 73 in September. Goodness. And uh, I watching the, even the more recent clips of you doing your live thing, you still look great. And I just thought, does Mark have like a workout regimen or has he, it's, I was thinking, I was reminded of Iggy Pop, who has been, who's also, you know, from your neck of the woods, has yeah. looked fit and svelte his whole life. Do you have a workout regimen or were you just blessed by God with the perfect physique? Well, brother, I take Ilhua ginseng daily hmm. and I have for over 50 years. I okay. have, uh, you know, since before Grand Funk, hmm. but it's, it's the only ginseng that I know of where the enzymes are still intact Okay, and because we are living organisms. Mm-hmm. We, we like living organisms and it minimizes the work for us if this is alive and, and it is, and it's, it's so much alive that seven years ago when I had my pacemaker put in mm -hmm. the doctor that came in the following day and he had done the, you know, the catheter on me and he took a look around in there. He says, Mr. Farner, you have the cleanest arterial system. I have ever seen. I said, what? Wow. He tells me I'm 37 years old. I have done thousands of these. And he says, I did a 12 year old boy yesterday. He says, you're cleaner than that kid. I want to know what you're doing. I said, well, sir, the only thing that I do religiously is this Ilhua ginseng. I don't take medicine. I don't take anything. I'm not, I thank you, Lord. I don't have to. Yeah. I'm still in good enough shape not to. But I take the Ilhua ginseng and I take uh, the Wobenzyme for my throat. You know, when the singers, our worst enemy is inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so the Wobenzyme, W-O-B-E-N-Z-Y-M, okay. limits that inflammation. It was designed and it was formulated in Germany for rheumatoid arthritis, but it just kills inflammation in your body. Mm. Uh, Michael Bolton, his manager, uh, Louis Levin, they all take Wobenzyme. People that are dealing with any kind of, mm -hmm. of inflammation would do good to get on a regiment of Wobenzyme. Good to it's know. All, yeah, man. It's, it's just papaya enzymes, like super, you know, mega doses of papain, uh, bromelain from, from the pineapple mm -hmm. and it's all natural. Uh, and it, it goes down and uh, it because it's entric coated, it doesn't activate until it gets into your lower intestines and it goes in and it kicks the bad guys 
down. Nice. Nice. (laughs) It boosts your immune system. And uh, between those two things, the, the ginseng, I just put in my coffee and I only make a little, like a quarter teaspoon of instant, you know, freeze dried coffee Mm -hmm. is what I use in the morning. Uh, And a little cow, I got to have a little cow Mm -hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. And I put the ginseng in there, but my friend introduced me to another compound from the mountains, like the ones I'm seeing behind you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's called Shilajit. These are, these three things are in my life now. And Shilajit is a resin that came when the mountains were formed. It was because of the collision of the continents and all the humus, the green, you know, it just got smashed. Yeah. And this is back when trees were trees. All that stuff, this organic matter comes up through the fissures and the cracks of the the rocks in the Himalayas up above 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And they they collect it and they they purify it just by washing it with water and then they evaporate the water out of it. And you got shilaji. But it's high in fulvic acid and folic acid, trace minerals like wow it helps you uh concentrate if you oh nice if you need a little uh help on the singleness to thought mm-hmm. sheila jeet will do it nice okay yeah. so, so that's, that's mark farner's health regimen those three things right there help take do a good job of keeping you in check that's right the nice. has to be taken on an in, empty stomach to do it's systemic work. Okay. It, and the way that I started, um, a friend of mine sent me some from Mexico because you couldn't get it in the United States at that time. But mail order now, you get the jug of 800 and I wouldn't get anything less because mm. it's just a waste of money. But mm. get 800, you'll take them. Okay. Uh, but I started with three in the morning and three in the evening for five days because this is what he told me. And then... I take seven three times a day on an empty stomach hmm. with a lot of water. You got to hmm. drink plenty of water with it. And at the time I took it, I was having some trouble. We did this walk down Abbey road tour and I, uh, I don't know. I was getting either carpal tunnel or something in my hand. It was just like, man, what is this? But I started yeah. taking time and I haven't had any trouble. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Great stuff. That's great. I also was curious, when was the last time you had short hair? Oh. <laughs> Ever? In the 70s, and I cut it all off. I still got a little, you know. Yeah, you do. <laughs> There's a ponytail poking under that tiger's hat, for sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just curious. You have your, I mean, you have such a look, and it's the it's the hair and the physique and the, the uh, tank tops and the the boots and the, just this look and the sound of a guy, you, it's funny. You mentioned earlier, I am what I sing about. And I thought that is so true. Blue collar guy got as much soul as he's got rock in his blood. He's a working man. He's in great shape. He's a devout Christian. And you sing about all of these things. You work all those things in every song you ever do. I appreciate that. That yeah, that is encouragement. Yeah, and, and the hope that that what you 
your efforts are in that studio when your eyes are closed and that microphone is, you know, six inches away from your lips and you become the character of the song that you are singing. You, from that point, from that place in your heart, you can deliver it with perception mm. involved with the mm. people get it because that there's a an emotional connection that we have through music mm -hmm. we don't get it any other way mm -mm. you know i don't yeah uh, no i agree and, and uh and that's even what the live shows are for but you know there haven't been in many live shows lately and so there hasn't been the minstrels speaking with their music to the audiences and speaking in between our songs saying what's on our heart what's on our mind true this is all part of our community it's missing it's kind of why the way things are mm -hmm. you know <laughs> and uh you know i hadn't thought about this before but i wonder if that's i wonder if that's one of the things uh that feeds the you know the separateness that we feel so often because there aren't unifying crowd experiences anymore there's not live concerts there's not live sports instead we're stuck in our bubbles in our homes and we've all got the phones with the social media and so yeah. we can all get angry at the drop of a hat but we're not yeah. going to go unite at a mark farner concert concert anymore you know yeah well, great observation uh, everything that you just mentioned is so accurate brother i hadn't thought of that before until you mentioned it that's interesting um, okay, I want to throw out a couple of questions to you that came from some of our listeners. I always, we have some Patreon supporters and I let them know who's coming up on the show. Um, one of them in particular, Michael Bagford, wanted to know what your experience was like working with Ringo Starr in his all-star band. How do people get, do you get recruited to join that? He always picks the most interesting people to come play with him. How did you get involved? My manager at the time, it was got a call from David Fishoff, who was had been doing all of uh, Ringo's U.S. tours mm. and the Japanese tours as well, and said, uh, "You know, would you like to be in Ringo's All Star Band this year?" And I said, "Man, are you kidding me? Mm. Yeah, I would. I'd do that in a heartbeat because he's told me everybody that was going to be in there: Antwistle and Billy yeah. Preston, um, Felix Cavalieri, you know." And then taking care of bit Randy, man. Uh, yeah. What a great troop to to travel with, you know. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was a fun time, and it was fun for me as a guitar player to sit there next to Randy Backman and have him show me that chord, <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of me trying to figure it out. There it is. Bless it. <laughs> Or G and you know the the things that he showed me, uh, the camaraderie that we have, it, it uh, what Ringo did by bringing that particular group together was uh, ensure that we're going to be friends, you know, until yeah. we pass. Yeah. You know, we are all coming from the same spot, and it was a beautiful thing. Ringo, I don't know if he says it to all the bands, but he did say it to us. You're the best band. You're the best all-star band <laughs> yeah. that I, I've had. And for me to be standing among those people, I was 
proud as a peacock, buddy. Yeah, I bet. I bet. What a what great sweet validation for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, man. What you you've put enough value in the world. Um, okay, and other questions that we had are from one of our listeners, Brad Page, who's a good friend. He's a gigantic Grand Funk Railroad fan and a gigantic Todd Rundgren fan and Zappa fan. So he wondered if you would be willing to share a Todd story and maybe a Zappa story if you've got them. Well, I've got them. I've definitely <laughs> got stories. But let me uh, first say, you know, that it was an honor to, to work with both Todd and Frank. And they're, they're brothers. I mean, for us, that's the way we work. And when we work with anybody, it's on street level, no egos. We're all here to do one thing and make some good music. And man, that's what we did. Yeah. And one day we were at the studio in Michigan and I had gone home across the street from the studio. We, I had 110 acres on that side of the road was the farm. And the studio sat on 80 acres on the other side. But so it's out in the wilderness a little bit. And the the road that goes back to the studio is like a two track. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming back down the two track and I can hear the guys. Uh, they're out in the parking lot of the studio. They're having a smoke talking and I can hear them. I can't see them yet because there's mm -hmm. so much forest. So I'm walking down through the sun's shining. I start singing. Everybody's doing a brand new day. And these guys in the parking lot are doing the background. Come on, baby. <laughs> and, and so Todd comes walking up because the door had been left open to get some fresh air in the studio. The door's wide open. Todd came out and he looks at me and I'm coming up into the parking lot now. And they are still singing and I'm still singing. And we're singing back and forth to each other. And he goes, you guys, what the <laughs> hell is that? I said, what is that? That's little Eva, dude. That is the locomotion. Yes. He said, well, get in here right now. We are cutting that song.
we went in and this is back when it was 24 track you know tape like this going on spindles he goes in and hits the red button and came out and we cut that song right then it, and there it was crazy yeah he came over to my echoplex dude and he grabs the <laughs> tape head on that echoplex and i start to play the lead and he goes wow and it goes you know it sounds like the guitar is eating itself you know it's just <laughs> crazy <laughs> stuff that he and he's he's the one banging the ashtrays together uh -huh. And Todd is like doing the all the high fall settles. That's Ron right in there. What oh. a crazy guy, man. Crazy fun guy. So great. Yeah, man. I love and it. Let me tell you about the Zappa story that I have, because I'm I'm pretty proud of it. That mm -hmm. when he came to Michigan to cut in the studio at the swamp, it's the same place that mm -hmm. Todd was, but uh he you know, we're going through what songs and we're going over and it's kind of getting towards the end. And we got, we got 15 songs that we're only going to be able to take 11 of because that's all there is room for on an LP. And that's what we were putting them on back then. So he says, we got to weed out some songs. What about this song right here, Mark? This don't let them take your gun. I said, no, no, dude, that song stays. And I told him why brother John, I said, you know, we're free people. And it's because of the Constitution that establishes our freedom and, and reminds us of who we are and the vigilance that we need to have to, to maintain this and, and make a big statement. Mm -hmm. That song says it. That song uh, has to stay. And, and I told him, I read him, you know, verbatim the second amendment. I said, do you understand what the word necessary means? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me. It was like, John, the, the light went on for old Frank. And really? Frank, oh God. It was like, bling, he went, holy <laughs> man. He says, I've kind of been against guns. I says, it's just what you heard. You got fed some stuff that and it's out there. There's a lot of anti-gun, just a lot of anti-American, anti-love uh -huh. stuff. But he said, you know, I've never shot a gun. I said, you've never shot a gun. I said, would you like to shoot a gun? He says, have you got a dirty Harry? <laughs> <laughs> I says, you know what? I have a dirty Harry. So I, I said, I'll be back in a minute. So I run back across to the farm. I get my Smith & Wesson Model 29. 44 mag, but I don't put 44 magnum ammunition in there. I put 44 special, which chambers the same way as 44 mag, but it's not near uh, the kick, the recoil. Mm -hmm. So I go back over, I show him how to load the gun. I show him the gun safety and how to, you know, the sight picture, how to look at the front sight and keep the back sight in your peripheral out of focus a little bit, mm -hmm. but your concentration is the front sight and you hold that on the blur of the target out there mm -hmm. and you pull the trigger. And, and if you're doing it right, it goes right to the target mm -hmm. and he pulls that gun up, but he didn't want to shoot a target. I said, we can put targets up here on the hill. He says, no, he says, I, he says, can I just shoot some cans like they do in the movies? <laughs> yeah. Right. As a matter of fact, we'll get you some cans. So we put them <laughs> up on the side of the hill. And Frank pulls up that Model 29 Smith and 
pulls that trigger and he drills that can. Really? Nuts. I'm talking in the center of the can and oh, he is so excited john he said did you see that and he and he comes <laughs> swinging the gun around and we're all ducking. <laughs> i said god safety gun safety oh, oh, oh god he pointed at the ground <laughs> oh man oh man oh that's great he, he became a life member of the nra interesting i had no idea i would never have guessed that yep wow so yeah. fascinating. You know, you mentioned, oh, go ahead. Came on. I wanted I to mention the light came on for him. The, bro. the light came on. I want to mention something to you. Uh, when you were talking about little Eva a minute ago, and I touched on this earlier, it is so clear the influence that soul music has had on you as a singer, especially, but even as a songwriter. And I'm curious, is that, did you, is that a Motown specific influence? I mean, You've got so much soul, Mark. I mean, what does that music mean for you? Well, Motown uh, definitely had its place for sure. But Kurt Johnson and I would set up, he's a guitar player in the first band that I was ever in. And we would set up and listen to his grandmother's radio, which is an AM radio, a tube radio. Right. But after 11 o'clock at night, you could get skip. And we would tune in. The WLAC in Nashville, Tennessee, John R., way down south in Dixie at the Royal Crown hairdressing show and played all the blues and the low-down, funky uh -huh. stuff. Man, I mean, it just fed our soul. And we would be feeding our faces. You know, here we are, 17 years old, uh -huh. 16, 17. We're feeding faces a piece of white bread with mayonnaise on half and horseradish on the other you'll fold it together and eat that we was having we ate loaves of bread like that <laughs> with horseradish and, mayonnaise on it. and listening to john r way down south in dixie <laughs> that's amazing the Brown hairdressing show man i'll never forget it and wamm in, in flint michigan was another black station that we listened to good programming and, yeah. and you know, dance music. And my sister and I love to dance and we'd go win the dance contest around town. I mean, it That's was wild because my mother showed us how to dance together and we danced together and people like to watch you when you're dancing together, you're doing something coordinated like that, man, you could draw a crowd. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I wondered, it's so clear that you wear that influence very proudly and broadly. And I just thought, I'd love to know what that kind of music means to him. And so that's really beautiful, especially talking. I mean, it's different from, I'm I'm a little younger than you, Mark. So I didn't grow up with the, quite the fascination of, you know, radio frequencies being beamed from what felt like another part of the world. But I get it. Uh -huh. that, those were the days. Okay, I got to ask you, <laughs> when I had Don on here, I asked him the same thing because I love so much of Grand Funk's music, but there is one song in particular and one lyric in that song that always cracks me up. And I just, so it's uh, All the Girls in the World and it's, uh, I got dark brown stains in my underwear.
and I will never forget. No one, no one as cool as Grand Funk writes rock songs about skid marks in their underwear, but you guys did. <laughs> I just think, man, that takes balls to write a song like that. I got dark brown stains in my underwear. What? I don't want to know necessarily what inspired that, but did you? You came on just thinking, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to sing a song about skid marks. I don't care. The women love me. That's right. Well, and as we are jamming this song, because that's uh, that's how it came about. It, it okay. turned from a jam, you know, and I just started singing it. Bang, and we got this groove going. And I'm looking over at Crazy Craig Frost on that B3. Uh -huh. And he's got this look on his face like, and I just start reliving. Yeah. And talking about jokes that we would joke about or just something uh -huh. in, in jest. But it turned out to be, you know, people loved it because yeah. I was, I was just being a guy in, in a, you know, in a garage band doing it. That's it. That is it. That's one of my favorite lyrics of all time because just no, almost no one could get away with writing something like that, but you did it, you know, it's so great. I love it. Okay. Um, well, let's see. I, uh, you know, we, boy, that time went by fast. I, uh, I wanted to ask a couple of things. Number one, um, why are Grand Funk not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And do you care about that kind of stuff? I can tell you why we're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And maybe that'll help keep us out of there. Mm. It's because we don't have the brown ring around our lips. Mm. I had a feeling. You have and to you have to I don't, suck up to Jan Wenner, don't you? Basically. Yeah, I don't bow to that God. Yep. Okay. Then who cares? That's right, brothers. Yep. Now you talk about bowing to that God. Your born again Christianity has been a big part of your life for what, 30 something years now. Yes. Um, in fact, I was listening back to even some of your Christian albums, uh, getting ready to talk to you, and there's the there's your Christian version of some kind of wonderful. I don't need a lot of money. I don't need a big bad car. I've got everything that a man can want, and I've got more than I can ask for. Let me ask it this way. What did you change about your life when you became a born again Christian? What did I change? I changed who I was inside. Ah. Uh, you no. Know? 
And uh, after I made my visit to heaven, when I had this pacemaker put Mm -hmm. in, Mm -hmm. the thing that I had been expressing to my wife for eight years prior to that is, Lisa, it's about, you know, Jesus is, is telling us to be debt free. Mm-hmm. Oh, no man, anything. Oh, no man, anything. Wait a minute. Is that pretty plain? Oh, no man, anything mm-hmm. except to love them. Mm-hmm. Boom. But what happened when I passed into the world that we're all going to, thanks to the the love and the blood of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. I realized that was the the thing that broke me away from who I am in the presence of God. I am love. Mm. I come from love into this earthen vessel. I am love in here. Many things uh, early on cause us to react and to go back further into the cave and roll a rock up and, you know, try to protect ourselves because attacks are coming on on that um, that piece of heaven that we are supposed to stand guard over and we become beholden to people and things. We, we, we are restricted by the notion of debt when there should be no debt between these ears, no debt. And it's, it's up to us individually to determine whether or not we are going to accept this or reject it, no matter. And I'm not talking about monetary debt alone, Brother John. I'm talking about the debt of unfulfilled expectations of other people. You know, the debt that occurs just in every day. I mean, it's, it's all around us, this, this perception of debt. But it because it's, um, it's, there isn't a clear picture. It's like you can't go down to the drugstore and buy a box of it and bring it home. Or you can't have a big dump truck, dump a load of it in your front yard so you can wade through there and kind of figure out what it's all about. No, mm-hmm. it's our imagination. Mm-hmm. And it is so controlled by this perception that has allowed us to be dampened to the restrictions of other people. Mm. And that is our first mistake to even consider the first notion. It's silly. Debt, being indebted is silly. Why would I want to be indebted? Mm. You know, it's like when Jesus, they said, you know, they're collecting a tax and he only can come up with some, what, what did he do? He said, go down to, you know, there's to the water and take the money from the fish's mouth. And it's like, he didn't know anybody. And that is the mind of Christ doesn't owe because the mind of Christ is love, brother. And it's our, it is our possession. It is our most precious possession while in this bone suit to protect and defend who we are in love. And in that we are innocent. We've had to play our games in this world. It is so screwed up by the time we got here. The debt consciousness overcame us, most of us. Not not too many people put the perspective of, oh, no, man, anything 
into their church, into their religious, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it seems there's too much involvement with mammon in most churches. Mm -hmm. And in the first place, when they signed that 501c3, a friend of mine was uh, telling me why I should, a, an attorney that was at our church, and, and you should have this 501c. I said, well, you know, let me come over there and show me one, and I'll let's talk about it. And after I saw just with the first few restrictions, I said, Peter, dude, you're giving your ministry over. This is supposed to be for God. You're giving it over to men? What is this? 501c. Who, these are men. You're not allowing God to be God in there. You're, for the sake of being tax-free or giving somebody uh, some kind of a little, uh, you know, incentive to give, I don't want that. I, if somebody wanted to give to me, I don't want it to be because there's a tax-free exemption for, from that gift. I want it to be because they believe in what I'm doing and they support it, and that's how they do it. And then nobody else has to know, you know, but that's not the way things are run. There's always this financial institution and always somebody to be paid and all this. Most churches, in my opinion, do not preach Christ. The debt free state of mind that we could all be enjoying together, enjoying together. Yeah. You know, and and what that state of mind would do in the masses that get it. Yeah. But there are other powers keeping us from this state of mind right now, brother. Yeah. And I just agree with you that they're not going to prevail because debt is a weapon. And my Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Well, we're at a turning point right now where uh, so many of us, so many of the so many of our elected officials, so many of the people we know in our lives need to make conscious decisions to turn toward the good, and or else we're gonna we're not gonna survive. That's and right. um, so, anyway, you're an inspiring guy, Mark. Thank you for talking with me. I have been fascinated by you for so long. I just think no one's mind works quite like Mark Farner's. I want to get in there for a minute and understand it better because I love the music and I love what I hear. And I'm so grateful you took the time to talk to me. So grateful. I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for you, my friend, to, to talk of things that are uncommon usually in a, in a conversation. I know. About, yeah, I know. I talk about so thank you for that. And, and thank God that we, uh, we still recognize love yeah within us yeah. and we can freely say that that's that's who we serve and i know just from uh, your voice and the the confirmation that i receive from where you're speaking that that we stand together in that mm -hmm. and love we won't serve anything but love forget about it don't bring me anything else mm -hmm. i'm just gonna serve love that's right that's right <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thanks for all the good you put in the world. All right, there you have it, Mark Farner. Like I said, no one quite like Mark. I really respect that. The veterans charity that he mentioned that we talked a lot about in here, the website for that is in the description of this show. 
So please don't hesitate to donate to our veterans. Let's be honest, no matter what side of the aisle you are on, veterans get screwed in our country, and I think we all know that. So support Mark in his efforts to fix that in some way. And check out From Chili With Love. It's going to be a fantastic DVD. It comes out April 6th. You can go on his website and pre-order it now if you want. And that also, the link to his website, is also in the description of the show. Um, I'm closing it out with another one of his solo songs that people probably don't know that well, Crystal Eyes. This is off his second solo album, No Frills. Great tune. Now, Tuesday, we're going to have our regular uh, Tuesday episode like we normally do. And there's going to be a lot of bonus material coming out in the next little while. I've got some deep dives coming up. We've got our uh, first quarter recap that Yana and I need to do soon. And I'm starting a new sort of offshoot thing. We're going to call it Book Club, where me and a buddy are going to read somebody's book. Probably somebody who wouldn't make sense as a Tuesday episode. Probably something that's been independently published or something like that, but that is, but also has a story to tell. And then we're going to talk about it with them, with the author, and hopefully turn you guys on to some fun rock books. So that's in the works as well. A lot going on over the next month or two. Okay? Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man, my right-hand man for everything. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday.